and welcome to Branding Matters, a podcast I created and host to help you create brand equity. My guest today is Dr. April Elliott, an award-winning medical doctor, executive coach, consultant, writer, and keynote speaker. She's also the section head and program founder of Adolescent and Emerging Adult Health in a leading Canadian hospital for the past 21 years. But most important of all, as far as I'm concerned, Dr. Elliott is a dear old friend of mine and I'm so thrilled to have her with us today. During our conversation, we cover everything from working with adolescents to working on your personal brand. Other topics we cover include why everyone should live out their passion, the value of emotional regulation, how to set a goal and make it happen, how to figure out your core values, and why it's okay not to be everyone's cup of tea. I hope you enjoy our conversation and learn a few things to help you with your branding. Branding Matters is brought to you by Genumark, one of North America's most trusted merch makers for over 40 years. Did you know branded merch is one of the best ways to create brand awareness? It's true. From promotional products, custom uniforms and clothing, to sports co-branding, web stores and warehousing, Genumark is your number one partner for creating brand awareness. And being ISO certified, you can rest assured ethical sourcing and sustainability are front and center. If you're looking for help with your next project, email brandingmatters at genumark.com. That's brandingmatters at G-E-N-U-M-A-R-K dot com. And now, on with our show. April, welcome to Branding Matters. Thanks, Jolie. I am super excited about this coming together. I haven't really had any close friends come on my podcast. I've had friends, people I've known for a long time, but I mean... You're as good as it gets. And you know how much I love you and respect you. Just to give the audience a little background, we've known each other for 30-something years. Is that right? Yeah, we were 10, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and I love this, especially because you're in Costa Rica and I'm here in Calgary. And I love that we can see each other. And we've been talking about doing a Zoom talk. And so this worked out really well. So quickly, why are you in Costa Rica right now? Wow. Well, um, for some people, it would be considered a sabbatical. And for me, I'm taking a a leave of absence, but I don't really like to call it uh, a leave of absence. It's more like a leave of adventure, (laughs) an LOA, a leave of adventure, and um, really to enhance our children so they can learn Spanish and just be mindful of other cultures and to immerse ourselves in that culture. That's amazing. Well, I still want to come out and see you. So going to plan on that. I can't wait. So April, I've never asked you this, but I'm curious, tell me about the moment in your life when you knew that you couldn't do anything else but be a doctor. Oh, wow. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) Oh, um, I think it was back in university when I had someone ask me what I was going to do when I grew up. And um, I've always been like really interested in athletics and, um, you know, I figure skated and I did a lot of things and, and really fascinated with the human body. But honestly, I didn't know if I had what it took to be a doctor necessarily. And so I just thought about it and I just thought, hey, I can use the same 
Um, you know, the same things I use to study hard and get good grades and, and do sports. And why can't I be a doctor? Why, why not? And so with that fascination of the human body, I pursued it. And, and that was sort of the moment. It was, it was like a light switch for me. I wasn't one of those people who thought since they were little that they were going to be a doctor. I think I'd thought about being a vet because um, I grew up on a farm. I liked that sort of thing. I'm not afraid of any fluids or anything. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I won't go down that road too much more. But, um, yeah, so it was a switch in university. And I just said, hey, I can do this. And then I put my mind to it and, and went for it. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so then, but why adolescent medicine? Mm, well, that's a really cool story. I would say I went into pediatrics because I love the energy and the enthusiasm in children. And when children are unwell... Um, they really want to get better. And so um, that's what I went into. And then when I was doing my pediatric residency, I just saw case after case with adolescents that I knew we needed to do better. I knew that there needed to be more attention. There needed to be a program specifically because um, University of Calgary Department of Pediatrics didn't have adolescent medicine. And so I had a mentor at the time, Dr. Jadavi, who sat down next to me one night late um, when I was on call. And he said, Dr. Elliot, I think you should be an adolescent medicine specialist. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what's that? And then one thing came after the other and, and I pursued it. And uh, I, I'm so happy. It's, it's the best decision I made. One of the best. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. I didn't know that. So adolescent medicine, and then you specialize in eating disorders. You actually started, founded the eating disorder in Calgary. Is that correct? What, I was one of the people. There was there was a contingent of about five people, and they actually came to visit me when I was doing my fellowship at Sick Kids in Toronto, and sort of sort of hinted to me that. Uh, maybe I should come back and be the doctor that helped them form and build the eating disorder program. So that's uh, everything's grassroots and, and it's sort of my style. I like to find things that need to happen and then work really hard um, to make them happen. And that's my farming roots, too, I think. Definitely. And tiny bit of an A-type personality. Uh, but we're going to talk about that. So, okay. But so with that said, I mean, what's your connection to that whole lifestyle eating disorder? So full disclosure, when I was a teenager, I was I had an eating disorder. I was bulimic for my teenage years, preteen and teenage years. And can you share your experience? Did you ever have an eating disorder growing up? Well, I, I, I mean, I would say not to the extent where I was hospitalized or to the extent in which I help young people now through the eating disorder program, but I definitely would use restriction of food and lots of exercise to try to manage my emotions and yeah. to, to do so. Luckily, I wasn't hospitalized or never needed treatment, but I would definitely say there's um, a lot of people um, out there that that are going to be missed because they're not, thank goodness, sick enough to be in hospital or be in an eating disorder clinic, but they're definitely sort of walking the edge of food restriction um, or other behaviors that help them sort of manage their emotions. 
The reason I brought up April is because I think that with that experience that you had, I think it just helps you connect so much better with your patients, right? Because you you can there's that empathy where you really know how they're feeling and what they're going through. And I think when you go through something and then you're treating someone else and you say, look, I get it. They believe you because you really do get it, right? Is that fair to say? Definitely. And I think in medicine, um, there is always that line. And it's interesting, it's more in mental health or, or mental well being areas that we we often don't share um, those things with patients. And, and I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not completely sure why we don't um, someone who has diabetes or other illnesses may share that with their patients. And there isn't such a stigma about that. But definitely, the patient is the focus. And so, so there, there isn't a lot of conversations if people are, you know, have had a history of that. Although I do think that it does give you insight that you wouldn't have and an empathy and compassion that you wouldn't right. have if, right. if you hadn't um, sort of walked that path as well. No, definitely. Thank you for sharing that with me. I wasn't trying to expose anything personal. I just want to, you know, I want to keep it real. And and I think it's really important because I think that's why you're so amazing at what you do. Or one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons why. You know, and you built up an incredible career. So you've been a doctor now for how many years, would you say? Oh, wow. Well, I am going to, again, I was about 10 or 12. (laughs) You and me both. Oh, I know. I graduated from medical school in 1996, and then residency and fellowship and all that that followed. So, you know, officially since 1996, but as an adolescent medicine specialist since 2000 and midway through 2001. And it has had, it's been a roller coaster, but mostly um, really, really fun adventure. And um, it's the one thing I would say I'm super happy that I chose. It's just my, it's my passion. And, and I, you know, I love living out passions and working hard at those things. Yeah. Well, and there's, I'm sure there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that could probably say they're so happy you did as well. So, right, because you've changed so many lives and helped so many lives. Kudos to you, my friend. I'm so proud of you. Let's fast (laughs) forward now. Let's fast forward to 2016. So you decided to pursue your executive coaching designation at the University of Berkeley, California. Can you tell us about that? Like, what made you decide to do that? Well, I think it goes back as far as like 16 years ago, um, as an adolescent medicine consultant, I would be receiving calls from, you know, pediatricians or family physicians in the community. And I would just sense like a lot of panic and, and a sort of angst in their voices because they were dealing with some fairly complex eating disorder issues or other issues for patients. And I found that if I just asked them how they were, um, what was going on for them, and sort of coach them with that emotion, um, everything just seemed to settle. And then we were able to get to the matter of the patient. And what it really helped me realize was so many times the reason we're not, you know, enjoying our jobs or we're not really engaged is because there's this anxiety that we're not doing well enough or we don't know enough. But that's why we have consultants. And yet through that, I was helping them, but I also was coaching them through that time 
And then I would do that with my patients. I would do with the parents and it really got me intrigued. And so then over time, I would give presentations on emotional regulation. And then that led to finding how can I formally become more, um, you know, a coach and also really use those skills in leadership and in medicine. So that was the starting point. And then it's just, you know, flourished from then. That's interesting. So does that just come naturally to you? Or was that something you learned through your coaching course? Again, I think I said at the beginning, I grew up on a farm and whatever can go wrong does go wrong. (laughs) And I think my dad was sort of the original, everything's figure outable. And so if it's broken, you fix it. And if, if you can't fix it, then you figure out what else to do. And, and so much of that is that patience that I would watch in his face and, and just get at things and be present. So, um, for me, I think I use those, you know, in situations where I feel panic in other people or worry in other people. And I just come to a very calm place and find out what's happening for them. And that's so much about coaching. It's not about you. Yeah. The coach, it's about the person you're listening to. Have you always been that way, like before coaching or outside of coaching? That's just in your nature, who you are? Yes, I, I, I think, you know, that is sort of the middle child. I'm the middle child or was the middle, middle child. And so I think that's the peacemaker. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not feeling that sort of some angst or, or type yeah, 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 yeah. But generally, I, I've always sort of wanted to stop and, and listen and, and get a sense of what's happening for the other person. And yeah, that's pretty natural for me. Again, though, I won't say that it, it doesn't produce some angst. But uh, overall, I think that's sort of in, innate. And then I've built it over time with other things. Well, it's funny. I'm a middle child as well. And I'm the same way. So yeah, we're very similar. Well, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. It makes total sense why you're doing what you're doing. So tell me about that transition. So now you have a business and this is great because we're going to talk about your business and branding. But before we get into that, tell me about your new business now and your new brand that you're creating. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I have to say I have a very good friend who has a podcast called Branding <laughs> and, um, and I And in discussion with her, she's actually had some amazing people on this show. And I'm not just saying this because, but your podcast really helped me. I never thought of me as a personal brand. And when I, you know, started this business, it really was to help other people. It wasn't about me and developing me. And through this, I'm like, wow, I can start to share my writing with people. I can start to share these things. This has always been within me. And I've sort of kept it because I didn't think that that part of me was, um, you know, as professional to be in the professional kind of medical world. And as I'm transitioning, that brand that I'm building really is the years and years of writing and, and, and who I am. So yes, that's long story, very long. Um, <laughs> and it's coach April, which is really cool because that's my name. And, and it was, it was just felt natural um, to be coach April. What do you do specifically? Specifically, I coach more physicians, usually physicians contact me. As you spoke before, when you have been in the trenches, when you know the pressure and the stress and the personalities that go in 
to medicine, and then having the skills to to coach them and really be present for them. That's where I started. And um, then I've had others, people from all over the world now, leadership, not necessarily medicine, law, other areas, uh, they hear word of mouth from people. And maybe some of my posts, some of my posts, I've had people come just say, wow, I, I really resonated with me. I looked into your website and your services and, and I, I want to work with you. So I work with physicians, I work with other professionals, and I do coaching. I also do some coaching for parents as well. If they are, you know, Know, struggling with their young people. Given my background, I, I I work with the parents to kind of coach them because they have the answers. It's just there's a lot of emotion attached to adolescence. And so we kind of help them navigate through that emotion. Absolutely. I can attest for that. Well, I love that you said that. And I want to just back up for a second because I love what you said about how you felt that, I mean, whether you learned it through my pack, my podcast or you just learned it through, I mean, this is such a huge part of branding is being authentic and being transparent. And a lot of businesses and brands are finally understanding that and letting their audience behind the curtain and letting them see who they are about and what their heart is all about. Because, you know, we talk about connections and I talk about this on almost every episode as far as branding is really about connecting with your audience. And when you make that connection, then I'm not surprised that they reach out to you and want to do business with you or have you coach them because you're connecting. And so I love that you said that, that you feel liberated that you can now share your personal story, which is what branding is all about and that it's working for you, which is just, you know, branding matters. And I love that you said that. So that's great. So April, with that said, I mean, now you have this new business and you are trying to grow it like anyone who's starting a business. And I have a lot of my listeners are entrepreneurs and small business owners and startups. So let's talk about social media, because before you were not really on very much, right? You were very private. And now you, like you mentioned, you are on and you're sharing about yourself. So how do you use social media to your advantage as far as rebranding? branding yourselves and getting your brand out there? Oh, I love that question. I think being naive is is, is helpful in a way and taking myself back to beginner's mind and just being open and honest. And I, you know, like you said, authentic. I have been writing since I could hold a pencil. And, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, maybe even considered an emo. You know? <laughs> a what? Very emotional. And yet I have this really type A personality as well. And so I think I was always really mindful with social media, respect, there's lots of confidentiality in medicine, being very, you know, um, I think like that professional showing up a certain way. And now with my company, I want people to feel like they have a really brave space that they can say and feel and be vulnerable and have a goal set and make it happen. So it's both, right? And I, I think I, I recently wrote about that because I think sometimes people think that, well, if you are able to sort of relax or be look like you're you're comfortable in yourself, then you're not focused or you're not, you know, and I and those two Or you things, don't look professional enough. That's right. right. Yeah. I was once told I should always wear my hair up at work because I, it was more professional. And so, and I, you know, long blonde curly hair, 
And so I would for a while. And I, you know, you dress the part, you act the part. And yet the connection that you have with people is when you are authentically you. And that's when I really started enjoying medicine. And now I'm bringing that into coaching and very much enjoying doing this because of that. So it's the connection and the authenticity. And that's my brand. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So my speaking brand. of, okay, so speaking of your brand, April, can you tell me about the significance of the butterfly? Because in all your marketing and all your social media posts, you have the butterfly and you even gave me a little butterfly. Remember that little wooden butterfly? You gave me a magnet. So tell me about that. Well, there's a couple things. I mean, obviously, the, the cliche would be that caterpillar goes in and has the metamorphosis and comes out different. That's sort of like that what most people would see. And, and it's true. It's very transformational. For me, my grandmother always loved butterflies. And she was such an influential part of my life. She was a very strong matriarch of our family. And she was a, she was a strong speaker. And I just always looked up to her. And so for me, if I was going to have a brand, I wanted to have a butterfly. And it's sort of uh, her legacy to me. Well, that's beautiful. And I'm sure she appreciates that. So she's no longer around, I'm assuming. Yeah, she lived a very wonderfully long life. She passed away in December of 2020 um, at 98. Wow, 98. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is. Wow. Well, that's nice that you're going to always have that butterfly and connect it with her. Right. So I love that. I didn't know that story. That's great. Thank you for sharing. OK, so I did a little bit of research and there is an increasing number of doctors leaving their practices and who have already left their practices, especially since I think starting 2020 and it's increasing. And then there's so many doctors that are looking to leave their practices for various reasons. And we don't need to get into what those are, but there's been this huge exodus of doctors. Is that fair to say? I would say there is definitely a movement and shift happening for sure. And both sort of formally and informally that I've heard for sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the doctors that are like, I'm out. We don't need to say why, but they've just decided whether they've decided or someone else has decided and they're, they're no longer able or they're no longer wanting to practice medicine. So I'm a doctor like yourself. I'm not saying you've left medicine because you haven't, but, no. but there are doctors that have. When they're sort of going like, okay, well, what now? What do I do now? I've been a doctor for 20, 30 years. I'm not ready to retire. Let's use that as a scenario. I love it. No, this is fantastic. I love the what if. So this is what if. So first of all, for me, finding out in that, what are they grateful for is a great place to start. And then we do some um, exercises to find out their core values. And then we find what actually lights them up. And sometimes they don't even know, but I see it. And so I am not just, I'm a somatic person. I watch people's bodies, I watch their faces, I watch their eyes. And when I'm working with them, when they say something, I'll, I'll watch. And then later on, I'll say, you lit up when you said that. They're like, I did? Oh, right. I've always wanted to own a flower shop or I've always wanted to own, you know, or, or paint as a business. And so that is that space where we're not focusing necessarily on the pathology, this is doctor talk, mm -hmm. for, for them, we're looking at what, what are your core values? What was missing 
what was missing in your environment in medicine and how can you transfer that? These are very high functioning people. How can we transfer that? If you are done, where can you transfer that? And what's going to bring you joy? What's going to light you up in this next sort of chapter of your life? That to me is really important. And so that is the discovery that I would go with them down that road with them. I love that. That makes total sense too, when you think about it, because if they're going to be doing so, obviously there is, like you had mentioned, there's that passion for medicine. And then once that's no longer, what else, just like medicine lit you up, what else is there that will give you that same feeling, right? So that's from the coaching April, right? Coach April. Now, what about the whole creating a brand, creating a business and branding advice? I mean, you you say you learned a lot from me, which I can't take the credit, but I appreciate you saying that. But, you, you know, you, you've done an amazing job as far as creating this brand and you're building this brand for yourself. So what are some things that you've learned that you could maybe offer for someone else who might be listening, who might be in the same situation? Well, first of all, don't be afraid. Just start. Type A personalities, we we get in our, our, our own way all the time, right? And we're like, well, we can't do that because it's not ready yet. And this isn't ready. And this isn't ready. I mean, if I did that, I would not be, well, I wouldn't be sitting in front of you because, you know, I wouldn't have a brand. I I just started, we, we are lifelong learners. And in in medicine and other professions, and just start reading things, start listening to podcasts, and think about what is your passion and what is your core values, and you want your brand to reflect that. Because if you have to pretend, it's not going to be fun because you're always going to be like, how okay, how do I have to show up? And and so for me, this is probably one of the best times for me because I am just me. I'm showing up as me, all the parts, all the parts are are there. And that's how I've been creating this brand. It's like, hey, what am I feeling on my heart? What conversation have I had? How can I be helpful to people? And I put it out and I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I know that. And I'm okay with that. That was a perfectionistic thing. I used to, you, you want to make everyone happy. And this, this is my brand. This is who I am. And I'm going to keep building it. And those who it resonates with, uh, will follow it. And those who not, then there's other coaches, there's other amazing coaches and other people out there, you know, that brand may resonate with them. So that's how I'm doing it quite authentically. Like I learn a lot of things. I learn it from grassroots. <laughs> wow, that's great. You learn by doing. I love that you said, just start, just do it because I've had so many leaders on from all different industries and, and they all say the same thing, right? Like just start. And the other thing I love that you said is about, you know, you're not everybody's cup of tea. Back in the olden days, big brands were all things to all people, right? They wanted to, the more people they made happy, the better. Well, the world has changed now and it's more important to really hone in on your niche. Who are you trying to serve specifically? Like who are you trying to serve? It's a very small group of people and then serve the hell out of them, right? Serve them to the point where they don't want to go anywhere else or they don't, they trust you. I talk all the time about branding, right? Your branding is the actions that you do to inspire your audience to fall in love with your brand. So whatever you're doing to serve them and you know, serve them to the point, like I said, where they would never go anywhere else because they love what you have to say. They love your values. They love that you're so transparent. All the things that you represent, people that can connect with you on all those levels, those are ones that are become not only your biggest fans, but your biggest brand advocates. And again, I've talked about this all the time, but what you just said really sort of personified that. I know yeah, that. It's, 
So find your tribe, as they say. And now more than ever, because you're right, there are millions of coaches out there and there are millions of podcasts. There's actually 3 million podcasts out there to date. So they're growing every single day. I say the same thing. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. People might be offended because I say badass or, you know, whatever. And I mean, there's a lot of things. And you know me, I'm blunt and I'm myself and I might offend some people, but then that's okay because there's 2,999,000 other podcasts that they can listen to. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very intentional with my audience as well. And I'm really trying to help them grow their brands and create that brand equity. And so I bring on people like you because I want, I don't want it to be just branding experts who come on. I want real people with real businesses and real challenges and real successes that people can relate to. Thank you. Because I was like, I cannot tell you exactly the formula, except you start. (laughs) (laughs) And my core values are, you know, perseverance and authenticity. (laughs) Well, well, April, actually, that's so funny that you say that because that was going to be my next question to you was, you know, you talk about your top five core values and you say they're compassion, curiosity, open-mindedness, enthusiasm, and love. Those are all great. Can you elaborate on each one and why those are your core values? Well, I have to say that enthusiasm, I mean, love obviously is necessarily necessary for everything, but but enthusiasm has been my sidekick my whole life. And anytime I am sort of like not feeling like I'm hitting the mark of you know, the um, intellect, I need to work harder, I need to read something or whatever, I put all of my energy in. And that's enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, often we think of like someone showing up to the party or at the sporting event, and they're the, you know, rah, rah, rah. But enthusiasm also is, am I going to put energy into this situation. And I bring that with my clients. I bring that with my, that continuing education that I do to show up and be, you know, on my game for my clients and for my patients. Those core values for me really guide me. And, and I think with my brand, it sort of helps me find that North star of why am I here? You know, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And it's because I see the aha moments in people and those core values, I keep them and that connects me with those people because when they see it, they say, ah, so that's how it is. That's why I get upset in these situations or I get the rub in that situation because my core values are being challenged. So it's so essential to have those and to let those guide you. I love that. So tell me a bit about open-mindedness and why that's important. Well, I mean, I think when I was younger, I would have said I was a moderate, like just to like sort of sitting in the middle and learning about people in all sort of like if we're talking about the continuum or a spectrum of different types of people. I, I, my curiosity would have me sort of sitting there sort of thinking, thinking out and you have to have open mindedness to sit in that place, right? You have to have open mindedness because You're deciding and you're looking and you're weighing the options and it just allows you to grow and learn more. And um, as a coach, it's ultimately what someone decides after, you know, their way forward in a coaching interaction, that is them. 
that's not you. You're not a, you're not being asked to be an advisor. And so you need to stay open and non-judgmental. And so that is really probably why I was so drawn to coaching is I, I really don't sit in judgment of what others are choosing to do. What I hope is if it's something that's untowards for people and, you know, you hope that maybe you can influence um, if it's something, but, but generally that open-mindedness allows you to sit in curiosity and non-judgment. It helps you also see your blind spots. I mean, I know, you know, you're curious and I've always appreciated that about you. I've always been curious, but I haven't necessarily used it to its full advantage. Um, and maybe that was my filter kind of coming in. And I think now I'm I'm really trying to embrace that more and, and work with it and work through it. Hmm. So are we talking about me or are we just talking about in general? Because I, when you said you, I'm like, what? what? You. <laughs> you. A friendship with Jolie uh, Goodson has really, you're a very curious person and you ask amazing questions. You always have. So when you started this podcast, and this is not a plant, this is <laughs> checks in the mail, April. <laughs> amazing because you ask really good questions and you always help me see what I wasn't allowing myself to fully sort of embrace because of the filter. One of the things that I've always appreciated about you is you have a much, I don't even know how to put it. You're, you're very curious and your filter, as I would say it, like I have a filter that I stop myself sometimes of asking questions I really wanted to ask because I'm wondering, okay, how will that, you know, the person feel and, and what will happen and all of that. And I always appreciate it. You just ask the question. The person can choose to answer or not. Right. And they can answer in whatever way. And I've learned from that is that that's authenticity. And that is that connection with somebody. They're like, whoa, no one's ever asked me that before. Thank you for asking me that. So the more that I've done that, especially in coaching in the last, you know, seven to 10 years, it's that's when the real connection comes is when you're asking questions that nobody else asks and listens the way that no one else listens. Well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Some people could say I just have no filter, but I appreciate that you, I appreciate that you put you put a twist on it and made it a positive. So thank you. And and yes, I'm really inquisitive. And you know, I ask questions that I, I le- actually like to ask, especially on my podcast. I do like to ask different questions than other people ask because otherwise, especially when I've had some guests on that have been on a ton of podcasts, and they, when they say to me, "Wow, no one's ever asked me that before," I take that as a huge compliment, right? Versus asking sort of the standard questions. I mean, I'm genuinely interested in people and I'm genuinely interested in what they have to say and who they are. And so those come from my heart because I want to learn. And I ask questions because I feel like I'm speaking for my audience. And I think, okay, I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. I'm a physician who has now left my 20-year career. And wow, April's done it. And look what she's doing. Maybe I can learn something something from her. So I ask the questions on their behalf as well. How is this podcast going to help them create back to creating that brand equity? And what can they learn from it? So I'm always putting my head in their position. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that. A lot of times people, when they talk about creating a brand and branding and going on social media, and I don't know what to post, I don't know what to post. I always say like, just 
do what feels right. And don't post because you want to get a million likes. And don't post because you want to get a million followers. A lot of times when I do posts, they're very spontaneous. And it's just, I get inspired. It's just something will happen in my life or something will come to me or I'll read something or I'll learn something. And I feel, okay, this was really, this is impactful. This is important. This is going to help my audience somehow. And whether I get one like or 10,000 likes. I wrote something really early on because I was struggling with that whole concept that you just described, um, intention versus attention. And, and I've really, you know, thought about those two things and probably why for a long time I wasn't doing social media um, as a physician, we, you know, adolescents, it was a really tough time during COVID. And I almost went off social media completely without with the exception of advocating for adolescents at some point, because I thought my intentions right now need to be fully focused on what I'm doing. And if I were to post something, it wouldn't be congruent. And so, uh, you know, if you want to be authentic and you want to build a brand based on authenticity, think about that before you post. Is this intention? Is there an intention or is it attention? And, and some stuff is just fun, right? Maybe it is. Of course, of course. That's, that's your, in- your intention is attention and that's okay too. I think though you get caught up in the attention, how can I draw attention? And so, yeah. Well, and and the irony is that when you are intentional, you'll get that attention. Because I can tell you how many posts that I've done where I, it comes from my heart, you know, I've shared a lot of very personal things. And some of my most personal posts that I just do because I want to share, last one, like it was like 65,000 views or something. So it's ironic, but yeah, that just is back to being intentional, being authentic, being transparent all those things, vulnerable is all what branding is all about. So I love that you said that. Okay, so before we go, I have a new, a final question. And it's a new question that I'm going to be asking all my guests now. I thought of it when I, over Christmas. So you're the first guest I'm going to ask for this year. So April, <laughs> what is your badass superpower? Because we all know you're a badass. I would say enthusiasm. I would say enthusiasm. I wouldn't have said enthusiasm if you'd asked me that question before we had this conversation, but I would say enthusiasm. I can bring up a room. I can do things even when I'm having a bad day. And my kids will say that too. I think my kids would say it would be kindness as I really cultivate that, but it's enthusiasm. Like I innately want to have fun. I'm an extrovert. I want to be out there. I want to do things. So I think there's been lots of situations where I've helped myself as well um, when my energy is low and just bring that enthusiasm. And I think it's driven by passion about caring, but yeah, I would say enthusiasm. Well, I agree. Why I love you so much. You talk about always wanting to have fun. I mean, we have had a lot of fun. That's a great one. So thank you. And thank you for coming on my show. This has been so fun. You shared so much. And you, I think you've helped a lot of people with your authenticity and your experience. So how can people find you? What's your website? Where are you on social? What's your handle? Yeah. So my website is pretty simple. It's coachaprilcom And um, all of my socials are still sort of my personal socials, but they're uh, Elliot 
two L's, two T's, I always say well-balanced, underscore, <laughs> and I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter. I don't do as much Twitter but uh, and LinkedIn. And if you go to my website, all of the socials are at the bottom and you can click on them and you can see me there. Well, thank you again. This has been really such a pleasure. Great to see your beautiful face. Great to talk with you. I can't wait to hug you again in person. And we'll definitely have to stay in touch. And I'll let you know when I'm coming to Costa Rica. Yes, you can come join my leave of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. We'll chat soon. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like help creating brand awareness for your business, please reach out to me on any of the social platforms under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. I promise you, I reply to all my messages. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thank you again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there. Thank you.